I'm gonna I'm gonna listen to this one over and over so I can hear you talk more, Sally. <laughs> Thank you. You're you're just enamored with that Texas drawl, right? It that's that must be it, yeah. <laughs> and I have been searching. Welcome to Following the Fire. Thanks for joining us on this journey through the wilderness. Just like Israel followed the pillar of fire and smoke, we want to take a new look at our beliefs and just follow him. And like Israel, we get it wrong a lot, we get lost a lot, but we're doing our best to to go where God leads us. I'm Nathan. And I'm Steve. Don't you know it's all I have? Today we're going to be discussing the book Affirming, a memoir of faith, sexuality, and staying in the church by Sally Gary. This is actually Sally's second memoir, and this one is about her journey from her youth growing up in the Church of Christ, then coming to terms with her sexuality as a gay woman, and moving from a stance of not approving of same-sex marriage, to marrying her wife Karen just this past year, all while remaining devoted to God. It's a deeply touching story, and I believe a very important one that all Christians really need to check out. I had been screaming And we, uh, so we are extremely honored, um, very grateful to have with us the director of centerpiece.net, author of Affirming, and also I just might, I want to add, possibly the coolest person we've had on our podcast, uh, because uh, I don't think there is a cooler, anything cooler than a chick drummer. So uh, director of centerpiece.net, author of Affirming. During 2020, I stopped wearing pants and, and subscribed to Hulu, and uh, our guest Sally Gary, I think you wrote a book. Is that right? That's exactly <laughs> right. I did, and I, I was sitting here thinking, my goodness, you guys don't get out much, do you? Thanks. If, yeah. <laughs> if, if I'm the coolest person you've had on your podcast, I, listen, I've got some friends that I need to introduce you to. <laughs> well, we are... Uh, we are uh, so so uh, excited to talk to you um, about your book. Um, we want to hear your story and just uh, we have this this common uh, root in the in the churches of Christ, and but you've been up to a lot more than I have the the past year. Well, I am just uh, I'm honored to be here and and thrilled to get a chance to visit with you guys more. I, you know, I did. I grew up in the Church of Christ and have a, a great love for my spiritual heritage, uh, a great fondness for our tribe, if you will, and and that is complete with all the knowledge and awareness of of all our junk throughout the, the decades uh, or centuries, as some would be quick yeah. to remind me. <laughs> um, these are the people who taught me who Jesus is, and that will forever be the most important part of my spiritual heritage. Um, so I'm, I'm very grateful. I'm grateful for mom and dad who took me to church and and made sure that uh, I grew up knowing the stories of Jesus. Um, I grew up in a very typical family in, in a lot of ways, uh, atypical in, in some ways, and didn't realize that in, until later on. Um, 
but uh, for the most part, just a really idyllic um, experience in in terms of um, you know having all the opportunities and education and and uh, feeling loved and and being provided for. Um, at the same time, I grew up realizing there was something very different about me. I didn't know exactly what that was. I grew up in the 60s and 70s, and so we didn't talk about sexuality at all, and we certainly yeah. didn't talk about uh, being gay. I would never have told you back in the 70s uh, when I was uh, growing up that I was gay. Uh, that was not a word that we used at the time. It meant something uh, terrible. It was uh, that you were terribly promiscuous and and uh, uh, certainly bound for hell in, in my world. And so I wouldn't have told you that. But as I got into college, uh, I began to realize that the feelings I had were indicative of a, a difference in my sexuality. And I still didn't know exactly what that meant for me, but I knew to keep my mouth shut. I knew to not say anything. And so I lived with that secret for about 15 more years. And wow. finally, um, I was in law school uh, when I came out uh, not, not knowing where else to turn. I, I came out to a man that I didn't know well. He was a, a counselor, but I thought that I needed certainly to go and see a counselor to get rid of this and to make this go away because I truly believed that that was not what God wanted for my life. So I did that, and I, I tried very hard uh, to follow everything that I was instructed to do, and and yet... Um, I was still gay. And so here I am years later, uh, realizing that there were many things in my experience that have brought me to where I am now to be affirming of uh, same-sex marriage, same-sex relationships. Um, and so last December, I got married to my wife, Karen, and uh, we are very much involved um, in two churches, actually, uh, very traditional uh, and non-affirming Church of Christ in Dallas, Texas. And uh, we are also part of an, a new church plant that is an open and affirming Church of Christ called Open Table Oak Cliff. So we get to we get to have a, a foot in both worlds, and and that's a wonderful place to be. I, I gotta say, open and affirming Church of Christ is not a phrase I'd ever thought I'd hear. I <laughs> I know I know, but you know what? We are not the first. Uh, the Stanford Church of Christ in Stanford, Connecticut, is the first Church of Christ to be open and affirming. Really? Yes. That's neat. Yeah. Oh, congratulations on your marriage, by the way. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, before we, uh, so I wanted to say at the first that I uh, actually listened to your, I read it twice. I listened to your book and then I read it with my eyeballs. <laughs> and I 
loved, I thought you did a fantastic job reading it. And I loved how you actually sung the hymns when it, when that came <laughs> along. That was great. Uh, thank you. But, thank you for, uh, 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 consoling me there on, on my singing <laughs> there, Steve. I appreciate it. <laughs> sure. Well, it, it's, it's, uh, I, I just loved how you painted this picture of, like you said, I, growing up in this idyllic situation mm. um, and how loving your family was and how tied you were to the church. Um, yeah. Yeah. So as I read this, first of all, I'm going to skip way far ahead. You, you give away a professor's trick uh, that he teaches you about how to read a book with the exclamation marks and the X's. Mm-hmm you know, things you agree with. And yeah, and I, when I got to that, I, I uh, adopted it. I, I've modified it already, but such a great idea. But I, I'm an under, underliner usually. Um, and I found myself, what I found myself underlining were just the, the, the common uh, background that we have. So, mm. so I don't think I've ever read a, a Church of Christ memoir before. Mm. Well, this is this is the second one that I have written, and uh, I've had a lot of people uh, in Churches of Christ who have resonated very deeply with both. Uh, you know, I tell stories about our experiences growing up in the Church of Christ in, in both of those, and while I, I was at a very different place when I wrote the first memoir, um, there's a lot in there that's really good for folks who have grown up in churches of Christ and are still in very uh, traditional conservative churches of Christ uh, who who still may have a, a lot of trouble uh, understanding what it means to be gay, what it means to be LGBT. Um, and so I, you know, I, I have to honor both of those, even though I'm at a very different place, writing, affirming, certainly. Yeah, and the, I mean, it certainly resonated with me. That that was my experience uh, reading the book, and I, I recommend this, this book to anyone, uh, but especially if you grew up in the Church of Christ, just the, the I, I could easily have seen my family on these pages, um, mm. and I've I love your descriptions, you know, looking back at your grandparents and your parents and how, how they were hospitable, their, their hospitality toward the stranger. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I feel like when people have phones, it's, it's almost hard to be hospitable in in that way. And that that there aren't people that are coming to the back of our, our porches anymore for a meal. Yeah. Um, but that, that hospitality and then, and then that idea of God at the center of your life, mm. um, it just it just struck me as as so uh, core in my upbringing. Yeah. Um, but then you talk about how sometimes we're the stranger, you know. Sometimes we're the. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I, things that I've I've struggled with, you know, that are kind of the blessings and curses of a Church of Christ upbringing are. Mm. Um, just really wanting to have the right answer all the time. Yeah. And, and because of that, you know, earnest desire to, to please God, to, to constantly be looking at in scripture for those right answers. I feel like 
in my experience, that's been a blessing and a curse. And I've, I've wondered in, in your journey, how has your church of Christ upbringing helped you along and, and what have the hurdles been that you've had to, to grow through or overcome? Mm. You know, I, I think that, uh, my, my experience in, in church has, has just driven that sense of hospitality deeper because I've experienced that so much, you know, um, the best part of church to me, uh, that I, I write about quite a bit in the book is, is the love that I've experienced, you know, the, the, uh, extended family, the, Mm. the very nature of church being family. You know, I can remember my mom telling me as a, a little girl that I couldn't go anywhere that I wouldn't have family, that I wouldn't have people who would help me no matter what was going on. I could go, I could go to a church. Uh, I could go to a church of Christ and there would be people there who would help me that we were connected. I grew up calling people brother and sister, so-and-so. And so I think that's, that's one of the, the best, if not the best thing and that when we are at our best, we love people well. Now, that said, I've gone in places uh, for a Sunday morning service, and I've left without uh, anybody saying a word, uh, without anybody acknowledging my presence. And so I don't want to pretend that uh, there's not still work uh, for us to do. but. But when we're at our best, I, I think that's what we do well. I, I love the fact that we do look to Scripture. I love the fact that we have always uh, acknowledged and, and recognized Scripture as uh, a means uh, of coming to know God. You know, mm-hmm. I think, uh, and I wrote about this quite a bit, in the book, um, where we get stuck is, is in thinking that, uh, scripture is the only way to come to know God and that you have to figure it out and you have to have, like Nathan said, all the right answers. Um, I think that's problematic because when you get to the point where you realize, oh my goodness, I can't figure out all the right answers for, for every uh, situation that life throws at us inevitably, uh, then you get into trouble and then you have to backtrack and then you have to, to, um, try to figure something else out. And for so many people, I think that's the point at, at which, uh, their faith, uh, fails them. Uh, they, they lose their faith because, um, you just can't, find all the the right answers all the time Mm. Uh, and yet I think you probably can it just looks very different than what we've been taught you know proof texting uh, big big thing for us in churches of Christ to find the the right verse that addresses that and and so that verse speaks to that right Mm-hmm. But what if 
what if there are uh, overarching passages? What if the whole thing is an overarching message to us about how we're supposed to uh, interpret every piece of it? I'm not a Bible scholar. Uh, that's not that's not my line of work. But I think that there's a, a a much better approach to scripture when we look at it holistically and we begin to see um, certainly um, how the life of Christ impacts every every scenario that we face in life, every person that we encounter in life. Uh, how does Jesus respond to this person? What would this have looked like? Uh, back in in his day, and so that's what we're called to today. Um, I think it's going to take uh, reworking how we look at scripture, but I still love, I still love how we have uh, diligently tried to study scripture to apply it to our lives. I just think that we're going to have to revamp some of the ways that we've done that. Yeah, I totally agree. We, uh, Nathan and I, in the past, since starting this podcast, we've talked a lot about with each other online and offline about just trying to look at the Bible in a different way. Maybe uh, kind of like you were saying, it, things, seeing things as a whole, not getting so stuck on a proof text, or um, and and honestly, looking at this, uh, the issue of the LGBT community and the church. Mm-hmm. That's really, it's really led me down a lot of really hardcore study hours, <laughs> a lot, of, a lot yeah. of extra time that I've spent. Uh, and y- your book helped me a lot. And uh, I recently read the book Un- Unclobbered as well. Mm-hmm. I noticed mm-hmm. that you mentioned that there's a list in the back of your book about additional resources. Yeah. And just just being able to be humble enough to realize that, Yes, the scriptures are from God, but we have to interpret them. And, and maybe we didn't get something right the first time. Mm. And yeah. one thing that I hear a lot from people who have serious issues with homosexuality or however you want to phrase it is like, well, the church has had it right for 2000 years. And suddenly you think that you're right. Mm. You know, how, how do you how do you address that? Well, what first comes to mind is that for a whole lot of those 2,000 years, we thought slavery was okay. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> um, yeah. and, and we still, um, we still have trouble in the ways that we um, view women. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we, we don't want to open up a whole other can of, of worms here or two cans of worms. But, <laughs> um, you know, there are a lot of things that, that we've not uh, a- addressed correctly in the past that, that we're waking up to the realization that uh, maybe, maybe Scripture didn't say that. Maybe that was not what was intended, uh, especially when it uh, has caused such 
such harm um, yeah. to to so so many people, and that's just skimming the the surface of that conversation. Yeah, a lot of our guessing here, but a majority of our audience is very likely Church of Christ or formerly Church of Christ or grew up adjacent. Both of us are as well. And, you know, I, I kind of wonder, it's really scary to to even get to the point where you're, some of these questions are scary. Mm-hmm. The, the answers are maybe even scarier. Yeah. Um, but the, I think there's a, you know, the, you, you brought up the example of slavery, that the argument for slavery was simple and plain and obvious. Mm. And mm. the, the arguments that maybe an abolitionist would have to craft were, were really nuanced and you really, you really, you couldn't do that verse by verse view. It it wasn't a bumper sticker. It was a, well, let's look at the context. Let's look at the overarching theme of freedom and oppression and the other and the, and the downtrodden, but, but simple almost always wins over, over a nuanced. And Mm. I've wondered, you know, the objections you, I'm sure you hear or, or fears or concerns, especially from our a community, what what things would you want our our audience who maybe this isn't always on the top of their mind this issue? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's you know scary just to why would I even want to dip my toe in? It's a it's a big mess to you know it's kind of scary. What I guess what objections do you hear? But what from your experience have you learned that you think could could help those? those people as, as we or they are, are dealing with, with these, these hard, hard things. I, I think the, the best, the best reason that I share with people all the time for someone who is fearful. And I think it is uh, fear uh, that, that leads us to not want to, to go there. And then if we, if we get past that initial fear and we realize okay, I need to look into this, then we begin to realize there is so much more to this. It is so complex that uh, it's mind-boggling to even begin to to try to respond and, and answer the questions that we have. And so it's easier to just uh, to just push that aside. Unless this is your personal uh, world, uh, either uh, you are uh, LGBTQIA+, or you have a child or someone you love who is, uh, you, you don't have the time to mess with that. Um, but here's the thing. Whether you are um, gay or, or straight, this particular question is driving more and more of our kids away, both gay and straight, than any other topic I know of. Uh, because this, this shows our inconsistency, I think, in a, a much more uh, in-your-face kind of way. Uh, it, it shows... Um, how we have taught people to love your neighbor as yourself, uh, to love your enemies, but but then when push comes to shove and it's uh, 
an individual who wants to place membership at your church and and use his gifts to serve in that body of believers he's not allowed or it's a couple who comes to your church and wants to be a part and and you're not willing to let them even come and be a part let alone be a member um, our kids see that and they have friends in ways that certainly my generation you know we we might have known uh, that one of our friends was gay at school, but it wasn't talked about, and he was surely made fun of. But today, your kids have friends at school, and they've grown up with uh, friends who's who have had uh, parents of the same sex, and they live in a completely different world, and they do not understand what our continued hang-ups are uh, around LGBTQ plus people. So they look at that and then hear what we teach and they realize the inconsistency and they want nothing to do with, with uh, uh, any kind of church, any kind of Christianity. And, and what's most alarming to me is that it shapes their picture of God. And so they don't want to have anything to do with God. So that's that's the most important reason to me to have this conversation. Yeah, I I totally relate to that because, uh, and that's one of the struggles that I've had personally with church in general. Um, my daughter is nineteen; she's mm. going to be finishing up high school next year. Yeah. Um, and I think if I counted them up, I think the vast majority of her friends are trans or. Mm -hmm mostly trans, but somewhere on the LGBTQ spectrum, <laughs> not the right word, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, somewhere in, in there. And I just, it's so hard for me to even think about like, what if one of her friends wanted to come to church with us? Mm -hmm. How would that be perceived? Well, probably right. not well. Right. Or maybe it'd be, like, hey, welcome, glad you're here, now change. Yeah. You know, like change who you are. Yeah. And it's, it broke my heart, the the story that, try not to cry here, the story that you told about, was it Michael or Matthew? The, the I, man who, who was rejected by his family? Michael, yeah. Michael. Mikey. We called him Mikey. Right, Mikey. Yeah. I just had to put the book down and like come back to it later, honestly, because yeah. I've seen so many of um, my daughter's friends go through that kind of stuff. Uh, not quite, I mean, to, well, I mean, they're all 18 or 19. Some of them are a little mm -hmm. bit younger, but to the point of being just almost kicked out of their house at, at the age of 16 years old Yeah, for who they are. Um, and so I, I totally, I totally get what you're saying. You know, Steve, we, we don't think that that happens anymore. Uh, we think that this is 2021 and, and parents don't, you know, they're not kicking their LGBT kids out. That, ha that happened when, when I was growing up, it, it happened to my friends that I went to Christian universities with. And their parents decided to walk away from them to discontinue all communication, 
all communication from every member mm-hmm. of the family. Wow. And it, that was that was devastating. But we think that doesn't happen still today, and yet it does. If you look at the LGBTQ plus youth population uh, that are homeless, uh, many of those kids have have been uh, kicked out of their homes uh, by by Christian parents. Yeah. Wow. So it, it's hard. Yeah, it it's still going on today. And one thing that you mentioned in talking about this subject with uh, with people who are not affirming, not in agreement with that side of things, one of the responses I hear back is, okay, maybe I can twist my head around the new ways of looking at Scripture, but I just don't understand the whole thing. It just doesn't make sense to me, the whole LGBTQ stuff. And... You mentioned something that really interested me in the book. You mentioned how being gay impacts much more about you and your thought processes than just who you're attracted to. And I thought, I I was wondering if you could expand on that. Because most straight people think, oh, you're you're gay. It's like everything else is, you see the world as the same as everybody else, except for who you're attracted to. But you said that there's more to it. Oh, I, I think there's there's certainly more to being gay than than just and, and what I was getting at is that there's more to this than than sexual activity. Uh, I see. There's there's more than just sex involved. Uh, it's it's more about who you are uh, romantically drawn to. I think it still has. Uh, predominantly more to do with with your attractions but um it's it's not just about sexual behavior i think it may be um it may be how you relate to people of both the same sex and the opposite sex uh that there you know there is something different about the way that we do that uh as a person who's gay as opposed to a person who is is straight, um, but that's that's all I that's all I meant by that. that it's not just about sex. I th- I think I remember um, Justin Lee summarizing that because especially those of us who grew up in church and and when we were talking about gay people, we really were talking about the other, and we were talking about kind of a even like an enemy culture that's kind of trying to attack us that that was kind of the you know not that it was the preach from the pulpit every sunday but i i think some of those the idea that we built in our brain of what what it means to be gay Mm -hmm. is a hundred percent about sex and of course being heterosexual is not a hundred percent about sex you know it's about longing and you know, throwing mud at girls in second grade and, mm-hmm. and, you know, all, all holding hands right. and, and a partner and a companion. Right. And it's a bigger, there are full people, you know, not, not, uh, the caricatures that, that we, we kind of drew. And I, I loved, this is, this is near the end of your book. Um, and I, this is, this like summarizes probably my whole knowledge. Um, but it's the quote, Sally talking about what you do at centerpiece. It's nice what you're doing. Uh, you know, we don't have anyone like that here, here at our church. 
but we yeah. but, <laughs> but keep on keep on the work you're doing. What do you wish that church leaders knew, mm. or and or or just the the people in the pew? And what do you wish we did differently? Mm. Uh, I wish that every church leader uh, realized, every church member, every person in that congregation realized that there is someone in that church who uh, falls along the LGBTQ plus spectrum somewhere and that our, uh, our attitudes and the things that we say very unintentionally can be extremely hurtful and can make the difference between that person uh, and, and we're talking children who are in mm. their Sunday school classes um, can make the difference uh, between your feeling safe and welcome to come back and to ask those questions. And, and most importantly, especially in this day and age, can I be a follower of Christ and be gay? Because the way we've typically answered that is no, of course not. Relying on that old definition that I mentioned at the very first of our conversation about being gay, being just rampant promiscuity and not caring about God and not caring about uh, how you live out your, your sexuality at all. It's not what that means today. And so to continue uh, using antiquated language and not being willing to uh, really listen to what people's experiences are and to say, tell me more about what this has been like for you. Uh, that's, uh, those, those are ways that we're harming our kids without even realizing it. And so uh, that statement, which, which was a, an actual statement that an elder made to me, and he's a kind, good man who want, you know, wants to be helpful. But to think that you don't have anyone in your church uh, growing up uh, experiencing sexuality uh, in a different way, um, you you would be mistaken. Hmm. Yeah, you mentioned in, in your book that how you well, your first book was um, "Loves God Likes Girls," correct? Yes, and that was before you personally had become an uh, affirming of the right. acceptance of of like same sex marriages and things like that. Yes. So, in the in the in your personal journey from from that book to this book, was it kind of a it, was it a general process the whole way along, or were there big touched on moments that just lit, like lit things up for you, like turned the light bulbs on, or how did that how, how did that go for you? Hmm. I, I think it was more of a, a gradual process. I mean, there were certainly things uh, along the way. I, I think one of the one of the most important uh, moments to me was when I started teaching at Abilene Christian University. Uh, this was back in two thousand one, and I. You know, I, I shared my story in chapel there pretty early on, and, and uh, students came uh, to talk to me 
understandably after that. And so uh, with the permission of the uh, administration there, we started a, a group uh, that met in my home for 10 years, once a week. Uh, we had uh, cookies and lemonade and pizza and, and we just, we became family to each other mm. over those 10 years. I mean, some, some students would graduate and, and continue coming <laughs> to the group. Wow. But what I learned from them, I learned a lot from them uh, over that 10 year period. But what I've, first realized is that, oh my word, this idea that um, was uh, very prominent in the ex-gay movement and in the ideas of reparative therapy, that, uh, that there is this uh, cookie cutter formula that creates people who are gay or lesbian, and it looks like this for someone who's gay, and it looks like this for someone who's lesbian. Uh, I learned very quickly that that did not uh, that did not add up. That it was not so simple as A plus C plus B or A plus B plus C equals D. It it just didn't go like that. That everybody's story was unique. You know, I grew up uh, with a, a father who experienced a lot of. Uh, intermittent bouts of, of rage. And mm. so it was very um, scary for me a lot of times growing up. Idyllic yeah. in many ways, yes, but also unpredictable. And so those times were very fearful and it created a great disconnect uh, between my dad and me. And so that's what we worked on in the therapy that I went through. And and there's been a tremendous amount of, of healing in that relationship that I thank God for daily, especially as my dad is uh, living in, in Dallas near me now and in independent living. And, and we see each other uh, talk on the phone daily. I'm so grateful for, for that work that was done. But um, we did all that work. And according to reparative therapy, um, that relationship being repaired, then I, I shouldn't experience attraction to women as much anymore. Well, I realized that I did. I realized that I, I still had those feelings. They had not gone away. I had done all the work with my father, praise God. He had done the work with me to bring that relationship together, yeah. but I was still gay. And I watched these, these students come in my door who had never experienced any kind of disconnect with either of their parents. I, I realized that everybody who identifies as LGBT has a, a very unique story and that there weren't these cookie cutter answers. In fact, some of the people who uh, I, I met along the way who are straight connected more with the story in that first book, <laughs> Loves God Likes Girls, mm -hmm. than, than people who were gay. So It's almost like people who are gay are just normal people. 
Exactly. <laughs> and so I was thinking, what the heck? I thought I had it all figured out because good little Church of Christ girl that I am, we got to get it figured out. Yeah. We've got to we've got to make sense of this and there has to be a logical, rational explanation. And oh my word, there's more to it than that. Um there's there's a biological component. There's a physiological component that Sally is not trained to even begin that conversation. I don't have the credentials to do that. But I can tell you that there is a ton of information out there and a lot more research that's available to us and has been in the last 10, 20 years than ever was before. There's, there's more to this than, you know, it goes back to your earlier question about, you know, what's, what's different. Uh, we followed this tradition for 2000 years. Well, there's a lot more science that we have yeah. now at our disposal uh, to even understand what, what sexual orientation means. We didn't have that. Paul didn't understand what sexual orientation was. And so uh, we're, we're talking apples to oranges in that respect. Yeah, I remember even back when, when I was in college, the very, I think, the well, the first gay person that I know of that I, that I knew um, was a fellow Bible major with me at, at, at school. And we were sitting in the, the cafeteria at OC one day, and he said, Steve, I need to tell you something. I'm like, what? What's up? He's like, big, long pause. And he's like, I'm gay. I'm like, whoa, what? <laughs> yeah. You know, like, it's like the gears were grinding in my head, and like, this doesn't make sense. And and I, and it was at that point I was, I was exposed to this whole idea, like Exodus International and all these mm -hmm. groups that tried to take the get, get get rid of the gay you know mm -hmm. and all the things that they had to say seemed like seemed like nice answers you tie up in a bow like you said to fix this problem with my dad the it'll, it'll, I'll, I'll be fixed right and i think it was sitting they had a they had uh some of his friends come together with the folks from exodus and talk with him about or talk they talked to us mm -hmm. about why this guy's gay here's the explanation why and here's how you can help him, all this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I've lost touch with him since, so I'm not sure where he is now. But uh, I just at that time, even it, it's kind of it, it was it was comforting to feel like that there was an answer. Yeah. But the more the more you see of reality, like you're saying that that there's it's not it it's not that being gay is something that happens to you. Yeah. It's it's who you are, and that's yes. hard for for people to wrap their head around if their whole life the gay person has been the the demon around the corner that you want you're afraid of yeah yeah it, it's very much a part of who i am you know there's a lot more to sally than than sure. just being gay um but yes it's it's very much a part of me that i didn't choose and i i never cease to be amazed at at how many uh, Christians still believe that that this is a choice. It it is most certainly not a choice. Uh, even folks from 
uh, outside of faith background uh, would say, why would I choose uh, something uh, to be such a significant, deep part of, of my, myself, my core being, that exposed me to discrimination, that exposed me to all kinds of, of difficulties in life? Why would anyone choose that? Uh, yeah. And yet we still, we still think that. I just learned uh, something about you, Steve, and and I hope you know uh, what an honor that was. It tells me a lot about you that when you were still in school that one of your friends would come out to you. It tells me a lot about uh, the kind of person you are and about how safe you were even back then that someone knew that they could come out to you. So thank you on behalf of all of us. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. I've I've screwed it up when it happened to me, so I'm <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> I wasn't. I um, doubt that, Nathan. <laughs> uh, but I, I I do. You know, it's funny. I don't know how this happens in memory, but but I actually remember those stories only in retrospect. But especially in college, I was just so. I was thinking mostly about my homework. And so the, the stories of my roommates getting kicked out or, or my close friends who were just struggling with, with these questions that were core to their identity, but also to their, mm. their uh, tribe, to their, their family connections and their you know, sense of themselves in, in a real way that, it, that was being torn apart. And I, I think one of the, the – there are so many blessings of – the church th that we've been given, but I think sharing our stories and sharing each other's burdens is is a big part of what we are meant to do, and it it takes bravery and and also humility to share the parts of us that other people or we know are broken. Yeah, and I I personally know from sharing stories of having my son out of wedlock that 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 means I'm a magnet for people coming to me. Because that's what the church, you know, that that's that's good. the The church is meant to to give us that multi generational help to get yes. through these problems that are you know common to all men. Yes. Um, but so I I want to hear about your church, your community that because you know what what have been the challenges and 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 successes of of starting an affirming Church of Christ. Oh, wow. Um, we have been, uh, we've been in a period of, of discerning as a, a community for the last two years uh, that, you know, it's a good thing that it's not up to Sally because Sally says, okay, we need to start this. Let's meet let's meet next week. We'll put an invitation out on social media. Everybody come. And that's not always the, the best way to start something. Uh, it, it needs some, some thought and consideration behind it. And so we've taken a long time to uh, consider the community, the actual, you know, physical community uh, where where we want to locate, and we've decided that Oak Cliff, uh, it's a southern 
uh, suburb of, of Dallas. It's, uh, you know, lower socioeconomic uh, part of town. And yet there are places that uh, are really seeing some revitalization. So I, I think that's been part of it. But more importantly, we want to, we wanted to consider what we value and, and who we want to be as a church. Um, and certainly the people that have been drawn to us initially, I think are a, a great reflection of, of who this, this church is, is going to minister to. Uh, mostly members of the LGBTQ plus community. Uh, and yet we have uh, families who are coming to us who have not been able to find churches where their LGBT youth have been welcomed, uh, fully mm -hmm. embraced. And so they've, they've come to us, um, you know, some families with trans, uh, children, uh, some, you know, with older, uh, students who just can't find a place to connect. And, and that's, that's been a, a great encouragement to us as we move forward with this church. And I, I wonder, are there any, any like favorite songs that hit different or, or, uh, or Bible verses that in that context that have become favorites? Hmm. I'm putting you on the spot. Well, you know, just this last week, uh, I led the, the discussion. Uh, we, we have been very much a, a, a Bible-based church. Uh, we took a, about a year to go through the Gospel of Luke. And you can't go through the Gospel of Luke without picking up on the fact that Jesus, uh, Jesus' entire ministry was centered around outcasts. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's who he ate with. That's who he hung out with. And, and so there's that. But this this past week, uh, we we are in the book of Ephesians, and as I was reading that that text um, in the second chapter, I thought, "Oh my goodness, Th this is this is for us. This is for our community because if you look at Ephesians two. Um, the, the entire chapter, but especially after, after verse 10, first Paul tells us in chapter or in verse 10 that we are God's masterpiece. And then who does he start talking about? He starts talking to the Gentiles. Well, the whole letter's written to the Gentiles, but he specifically focuses in on the Gentiles mm. who had forever been considered uh, unworthy, uh, just not even considered at all, just not a part. And yet here's this letter from Paul who has often been made in the LGBTQ plus community to be made, made out to be the bad guy because Paul yeah. wrote, 
Paul wrote the the majority of the the clobber passages, right, or the prohibition passages against homosexuality, and and yet here's Paul, who's writing a letter to the church at Ephesus that is filled with Gentiles who have never even been considered to be a part of the church before Paul. Is there any correlation to my experience today as a as a gay Christian who's been grafted into the body of Christ to use Paul's language is there any correlation for me is there any good news in the second chapter of Ephesians about Paul welcoming the Gentiles and and encouraging the Gentiles and the Jewish Christians to get along and to worship together and to come together. I think there's mm. a powerful message in in yeah. that passage of scripture. And and it's it's beautiful to me to be able to to go back time and time again and see something new in scripture. See, that's that that's that good little Church of Christ girl heritage coming out. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's that's powerful. The I was just seeing the um, he came and preached to those who are far away and to those who are near for through, because we both have access to the father through one spirit. Yeah. You know, that that's a, that's a powerful yeah. reflection. Yeah. Well, that whole idea, uh, in, in verse 10, that's what I focused on this last week was that we are God's masterpiece. We are his masterpiece. I love that. Hmm. Well, I, I wanted to let you talk a little bit about centerpiece because one of my one of my questions was, what can what can we do? What can people do to help, and what can people do to change minds and uh, and help help those people who feel so rejected by their family or their society or whatever? So tell us a little bit about centerpiece if you if you could. Oh wow! How long do we have? <laughs> I, I could. Uh, oh man, you don't know what you're in for. Um, centerpiece has been my uh, passion for the last oh goodness, probably twenty years. But we've only we've only been a nonprofit for fifteen years. This Saturday night, June twenty sixth, seven o'clock in Dallas. We're having a birthday party for Centerpiece. We will be on Facebook Live. So I hope you guys will will tune in and um, party with us, even though you're not in <laughs> Dallas. Centerpiece, you know, grew out of my own realization that uh, we didn't have this conversation in church and that I needed, I needed to know that I could talk about my sexuality in church and that um, there were specific things that I needed to talk about, um, in regard to my faith and, and how to reconcile my faith and my sexuality. So centerpiece grew out of that. Um, some dear friends from the Highland church in Abilene, Texas came together for a year and a half. And we discerned together what this ministry would look like. And out of that uh, has grown a, a beautiful mission of 
of opening spaces uh, for conversation uh, where people can can talk about what it means to reconcile their faith and sexuality. We do workshops for churches. I've been going into churches for the last 15 years and doing weekend workshops, sometimes just an evening, uh, maybe with an elders group or with the entire congregation and, and talking about how uh, we can be of uh, better support to LGBTQ plus Christians, how we can uh, better understand and love our children. Uh, we do retreats for LGBTQ plus Christians, spiritual formation retreats. We've been doing them online during the pandemic, but we're about to start back uh, in person in November. We'll be in the Nashville area. I understand that they have some beautiful places up in Colorado uh, <laughs> that that might uh, lend itself to uh, a retreat up there. So, you know, if you know of any place, let us know. We do retreats for parents um, of LGBT kids um, and adults. And that has been, that's just been a, a wonderful ministry in and of itself is watching those parents. You know, today, after 15 years of bringing parents together on a retreat, where when they get there, they're scared to death because they don't have anybody in their churches to talk to uh, mm. about, about their children. They're scared to death to tell their church leadership that their child is gay. What is that going to mean for their child? What's it going to mean for them? So to provide a space for those parents to come together and, and talk has just been beautiful. And what's happening is that now we have a network of literally about 15 couples who have committed to serve and they're doing the ministry to other parents. So it's just been beautiful to watch that happen. Um, I am about to, to launch our uh, strategic vision for the next 10 years. I, I don't want to spoil the birthday party by <laughs> telling you guys, but, but, you know, one of the things that is very near and dear to my heart is uh, a camp for families that we want to start doing in the future. Um, I'll tell more about that on Saturday night. Uh, another dream that I have is providing a residence for those LGBTQ plus youth that I mentioned earlier who have been kicked out of their homes mm, yeah. and still need a family. Uh, for LGBT youth that transition out of foster care, um, who are 18, you know, that 18 to 25 gap. Uh, who, whoever got the idea that when you were 18 years old that you didn't need some guidance and somebody around to, to help you with things? We want to create a, a residence that would allow 18 to 25-year-olds to have a, a place to live, but there would be a, a mom and dad there who are wise and know that you need to you need to stand down at times and back off at times but always be available and present and and help us 
help us manage those uh, early adult years that you still need somebody, whether you like to admit it or not. <laughs> so those those are big dreams, but uh, those are the kinds of things that we hope to offer. That sounds so fun. That just warms my heart so much because, I, like I've mentioned, I've seen a lot of a lot of kids and adults who have had so much. There's so much pain and separation and distance and aloneness and just loneliness in general. Oh yeah. So I, I'm. How how can regular folks help out Centerpiece do their thing, other than you know, find you a nice place in Colorado? Uh, listen, that that would just be wonderful. Um, but if you want to support the work of Centerpiece, I would uh, direct you to our website, make a donation. We're a 501c3 nonprofit. And so uh, we're totally supported by individual donations. Um, if you want to make a, a contribution that's tax deductible and you can do it online or you can send a check to 10805 Walnut Hill Lane in Dallas, Texas. And um, we would appreciate that more than we can say. Yeah, and we'll, I'll put all, the, all that in the show notes for the, for the episode too. Yeah. And, and I, wanna, I also want to recommend people listen to the Centerpiece podcast. I've listened oh, to several yeah. of the episodes. Yeah, uh, and... we're about to start a new season, too. Yeah, that's what I hear. Season Yeah. All right. Yeah, Maddie has some absolutely wonderful guests coming up. And since you mentioned Maddie, I have to tell you guys what we get to do this next Sunday night. What? What? Maddie is going to be baptized. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. I'm gonna That's get great. to baptize. I'm no gonna way. get to baptize Maddie. I was about. To, I was about to. That's that's such great news. I was about to say it, it just shows how welcoming and open you are, and and loving that that. The, I thought it was hilarious that the the host of your podcast is a transgender atheist. <laughs> yes, yes, and and that you know it's it's not just a, a shtick. It it was for real. And yeah, I can tell. Maddie has been a part of Open Table Oak Cliff uh, for about a year and a half and has brought some of the, the most sincere and deep and thoughtful questions uh, during that time. And she, she wanted to do this podcast and she wanted it to be a way of, of her getting to address some of the questions that she had. And guess what happens when you allow people <laughs> to ask questions and to think a little outside the box? Yeah. Uh, they, they come to know Jesus in a, a different way, and that certainly has been Maddie's experience, and uh, I hope it is for all who come in contact with us at Open Table. Oh, it's just fantastic. Well, I think we're probably kind of out of time. I, I, I would love to talk to you more about this at some point. Sure. Um, and uh, you just, you're just a, pl a pleasure to talk to. <laughs> oh, thanks guys. It's you're a pleasure to talk to as well. Uh, anytime we can get together. Absolutely. Well, as a reminder to everybody, the book is affirming by Sally Gary, grab it wherever books are sold or audiobooks, And, uh, 
check out centerpiece.net. It's a piece is spelled P-E-A-C-E. Centerpiece.net. Thanks. Thank you so much. Okay, bye-bye. But it only takes a whisper. Hey, thanks for listening to Following the Fire. If you'd like to see show notes for this episode, which includes links to everything we mentioned as well as all the scriptures, head on over to followingthefire.com and just click on this episode. There's also contact information on the website. Let us know what you think about the show and if you have any suggestions for future topics. Also, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts if you could. It really helps other folks find the show. And as always, thanks to the fabulous Daniel Wheat for the theme song and the music for the episode. You can find more of his stuff on Apple Music and Spotify. See you later. <laughs>